What will the future hold? What will it be like in 50 years? Will life be better or worse? God alone knows the answer, but we love to speculate about it. And the world places our speculation typically into one of two categories, optimism and pessimism. Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines optimism as the inclination to anticipate the best possible outcome. The optimist says things will get better in 50 years. By contrast, Merriam-Webster defines pessimism as an inclination to expect the worst possible outcome. The pessimist thinks will get worse. Pessimism and optimism. The glass is half empty, the glass is half full. These are the options according to the world that we have. But there is a third option that the world doesn't offer us, and it is the Christian virtue of hope. We see this virtue of hope lived in the lives of the saints, and I have, I'm thinking of one in particular, Pope St. John Paul II. His papacy began in 1978, and it would last 27 years, until 2005 when he died. So he was the last pope of the second millennium, and the first pope of the third millennium. In fact, for most of his papacy, he anticipated greatly this third millennium. He would talk often about it. I, mean, I think he went to the United Nations once and he said something like, the tears of the 20th century, meaning like the two world wars and the other wars we had, the genocide, all the horrific things that happened in the 20th century, the tears of the 20th century have prepared the ground for a new springtime. Some in the secular press heard these words and called them naive optimism. But John Paul's words, they weren't optimism. They weren't naivete. After all, John Paul, as a very young man, then known as Carol Wojtyla, had to confront evil and suffering in this world. At age nine, he lost his mother. At age 12, he lost his, old, his older brother, his only living sibling. At 21, he lost his father. And with that, the last of his immediate family alive. If that wasn't enough of a burden for a young man, he was also living in Nazi-occupied Poland. And once that ended, it wasn't freedom and liberation for Poland, it was another tyrannical, oppressive regime, the Soviet Union. After all that young Karol Wojtyla had to endure, the world would say, well, he's going to be a pessimist, right? I mean, he has every right to be cynical and bitter because life treated him horribly. But he was neither a pessimist nor an optimist. He radiated this virtue of hope. What makes hope so different from optimism? And there's many in the world that would say, look, you're talking about essentially the same thing just kind of wishful thinking that things will go well. But hope is not wishful thinking that things will go well. Hope is a theological virtue. A virtue is a good habit. And a theological virtue, there are three, faith, hope, and charity, or faith, hope, and love. These are not things we earn. These are not things we develop. They are gifts infused into our souls at baptism. 
They're meant to grow in us as we grow in grace, but they are gifts infused in us. These are habits infused in our soul. The virtue of hope, it enables us to desire heaven, the eternal vision of God as our ultimate good in life. And the virtue of hope enables us to have the confidence that God will give us every single grace and assistance we need to get there, to get to heaven. And the ground of our hope, the reason for our hope, is God himself. God for whom nothing is impossible. God who is goodness himself. And God who, more than anyone else, is supremely worthy of our trust because he is always faithful to his promises. That is hope. You know, the reason why I'm talking about John Paul II and hope is that today we celebrate the Feast of Divine Mercy, a feast that is intimately connected to both John Paul II and hope. You know, this is a relatively new feast day. On April 30th in the year 2000, John Paul II was celebrating the canonization mass of Sister Faustina Kowalska. She was a Polish nun to whom our Lord appeared and revealed this divine mercy devotion. And it was in the canonization homily that he said, from this day forward, the second Sunday of Easter will be known as Divine Mercy Sunday. And it was in that same homily that he said this, what will the years ahead bring of us? What will man's future on earth be like? We are not given to know. However, it is certain that in addition to new progress, there will unfortunately be no lack of painful experiences. But the light of divine mercy, which the Lord in a way wished to return to the world through Sister Faustina's charism, will illumine the way for the men and women of the third millennium. There are at least two points we can draw from these profound words. First, we see what's different about hope from both pessimism and optimism, right? John Paul acknowledges there's going to be good things in the future. But his confidence is, ground in, it is grounded in the realistic understanding that we are fallen creatures in a fallen world. And for whatever good things will come, there will assuredly and unfortunately be pain and difficulty, suffering and evil, sorrow and heartache. Yet hope enables us to have confidence despite the reality of evil because we know in the end all things work for the good for those who love God. Secondly, John Paul tells us that the light of divine mercy will illumine the way in the third millennium through the good times and the bad. What does that mean, that the light of divine mercy will illumine the way? I'll say this, in every single image of divine mercy, you see a very simple phrase printed at the bottom. Jesus, I trust in you. Trust is intimately connected to this virtue of hope. We can't have one without the other. If we place our trust in the Lord, then we are building our life on an unshakable foundation. If we place our trust in the Lord, then the storms life throws our way, they cannot shake us. If we place our trust in the Lord, 
then we will live this virtue of hope, this virtue embodied by so many of the saints and especially by John Paul II. Because hope is not based on any human capacity. Hope is not based on optimism or pessimism. It's based on God himself who can bring good out of evil, who alone is faithful to his promises. I know I'm talking on kind of an abstract level, but, but on a practical level, what do I mean when I say we need to trust in Jesus? How is that connected to hope? Well, it's Divine Mercy Sunday. Let's talk about the greatest hope, the hope that we can be freed from the burden of our sins. We all have done things we regret, things we wish we hadn't, things if we could go back we would stop ourselves from doing. We can't change the past, but what God offers us is forgiveness. He wipes away the sin. It's as if it never was in his eyes, and it's his eyes that ultimately will judge the world. This is a tremendous gift, and you know it can happen that we go to confession, we confess our sins, we receive absolution, we're forgiven, and the devil tempts us to say, yeah, but are you really? Did you really confess that? You know, is, or did you really confess that the right way, or were you really truly sorry, or whatever lie he might spin to us. We must trust in his mercy that no sin is stronger than his mercy. No number of sins is beyond his power to wipe away. We must trust in his mercy and his merciful love for us. So let us put our trust in him. Let us trust in Jesus so that we can live the virtue of hope, that supernatural virtue that radiated in the life of John Paul II. Let us trust in him so that divine mercy will illumine our way through the good and the bad that will inevitably come in this life.